0: Laurie, thanks for reading God's holy word for us today, and it's great to be back with Bruce and Laurie. I remember when their daughters were much younger, and now they're grown women, and Bruce and Laurie are grandparents, and uh, it's just good to be back and to be able to enter in to a different chapter in, in many of your lives. And I'm also amazed at how many folks are traveling uh, during this summer and how the folks here at Martha Bowman uh, are moving in a lot of different directions. I'm still having, even today, people for the first time greet me and say, I haven't been here since you've been, but I want to say welcome. And so there's been this continual uh, welcoming spirit on your part. Now, some of you made a lot of comments related to my hair. (laughs) And the change in color, you called it gray. And I just need to share with you, it's a shade of blonde. (laughs) It was jet black, but now it's just a different shade of blonde. And while my gray, uh, while while my hair has turned gray, some of yours has turned loose. (laughs) So I just want to say we're all changing it, and it's a good thing because we're having a pictorial directory, and it's going to be this fall. And a lot of you have changed since that last pictorial directory. And so we want to be able to get you in there so we can celebrate that you're part of the family of faith, so I can look at you and call you by name. But I thank you for being gracious today. I'm preaching on grace, and I just want to thank you for being gracious and merciful in my learning curve experience of getting names. Now, we're entering into what I believe is an exciting time in the life of our church. We're walking through a series over the next four weeks entitled, Possibilities. Say that with me. Possibilities. Possibilities. And, and our theme, scripture, is this. Is there anything too difficult for God? It's rhetorical. Is there anything, well it could be very literal as well. Is there anything too difficult for God? Now next week we're going to be talking about can I really be happy? Is that possible? And what does that mean for me as a follower of Jesus Christ? And so I want you to be here next Sunday as we look at that, as we explore that. Today we're going to look at God's wonderful grace that we sang about just a few minutes ago. And so let's pray together. God, we thank you that your grace truly is sufficient for us. That we forget so often uh, your goodness, your faithfulness, and your willingness To allow us to be called children of God. So reaffirm that in us today. Help us to see a need to draw closer to you and to lay claims to the salvation that you presented to us through the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that my words and our prayers together will be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength. And our righteous redeemed. Amen. Well at the conclusion of the service. We invited folks to come forward. To the altar to respond to the message. And he came very quickly. Down the center aisle. He knelt. I walked down. He looked up at me. And he asked this question. But how do I know that I'm forgiven?" How do I have the certainty that I've been forgiven? What a great question to explore this morning as we gather together. And our understanding of that question and the subsequent answer tremendously affects the way we relate to God and how we relate to others. And we come to a wonderful story that Laurie read for us this morning of how Jesus returns from the Mount of Olives, he goes into the courtyard, and he begins to teach. And I really believe, as the master teacher, it was very conversational in nature, most likely, because it says that he actually used the sand. He would write in the sand. And so, very interactively, he was teaching those who would gather and listen. And about that time, some religious leaders bring in woman. They they practically drag her into that crowd of people in the courtyard, And they say, hey, Rabbi, so you say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And according to Moses' law, she should be stoned. What is it that you say? Now, I find this story fascinating for a lot of reasons. One is, if she was caught in the act of adultery, there was most likely another participant. <laughs> Where is that other participant? But for now, they bring her, and as a woman, they put her on display in plain sight. And they, they use her as a means to build a case against Jesus. They wanted him to say something that would be incriminated. Something that would allow him to be placed under arrest as religious leaders. They could capture him and imprison him in the words that he would say. And they kept badgering him. Because what he did was he wrote in the sand. And I I wonder what Jesus was writing in the sand. There's a lot of speculations about that. But he was very wise in in that he did not answer very quickly. But then finally, after their continued nagging and badgering of him, he straightened up and said, which one of you is sinless? In fact, the one who is sinless, you can go first. Go ahead and throw that first stone. If she deserves to be stoned for this act she has done, this act of indiscretion, then you who are fully righteous, go ahead and throw that stone. Now it's interesting, the scripture says they began to lay down those stones and they laughed, beginning with the oldest first and then the younger. I-, I just wonder if some of those older men said, I think he's got us. I, I think he has us guys. We'll come back in a more opportune time to try to catch him. Uh, he got us with that. And so he begins to interact with this woman as they leave. And he says, your your condemners have left you. And where are they? They condemn you no more. And neither do I condemn you. Now this story is important because I think it answers in part the question that that gentleman posed to me. How can I know I'm forgiven? Is forgiveness even in the realm of possibility for me? Well, I want to suggest to you that as we're in this series, you be open to God. And and be open to the Holy Spirit as we ask that question, is there anything too difficult for God? Because that scripture applies to this grace really greater than my sin? Well, there's a pathway to forgiveness, and I think there are a couple of things, and these aren't necessarily in priority order, but but I do believe that it's important that we start here. And one is to acknowledge our wrong. Now, in this story, we find a woman that had a lot of people volunteering to help her discover her sinful actions. In fact, I think our story is kind of in their story, in that it's easy for us to look around and discover the wrongs of others, to shift the emphasis away from ourselves onto others. Because we're challenged when it comes to our own willingness to admit our guilt. I mean, that's human nature. It goes all the way back to the garden. And we're we're faced with a culture that really has dropped black and white kind of off the color spectrum. Everything's kind of gotten gray. It's difficult for us to say that we're wrong in our culture. We want people to make us right. So the message for many is, please don't make me wrong. And so... Finding right and wrong in our culture can be difficult. But Jesus speaks to that crowd of men, that crowd gathered who were very judgmental, and and he said, those of you who are without sin, you cast that stone. Admit your own guilt. You know, that's the first step towards healing, isn't it? You can ask an alcoholic, someone that attends Alcoholics Anonymous, and they'll tell you that first critical step is to admit there is a problem. And that's hard for us because we're so prideful and we're so caught up in ourselves and and, and it takes work, emotional work, to get to the point where we say, you know what, I blew it. I made a mistake. I was wrong. I was selfish. was self-centered. And then those of us who are in the church sometimes want to live into the religion of what we do to somehow cover our sin. Just like those that brought that adulterous woman to the courtyard, we like to say, you know what, I'm a good person. I mean, if if you look, I haven't committed any." crimes. I I have a clean record. In fact, Tim, I'm in church today. Doesn't that make me good? I'm right here. The scripture tells us very clearly in Romans, as Paul writes, in chapter 3 verse 23, For all have sinned, everyone has sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's all-inclusive. Every one of us has fallen short and are in need of God's grace. It's likened to a swim meet. I want you to envision this with me. A righteous swim meet. And let's say we go to the Savannah area, maybe Tybee Island, or if you want to go to Hilton Head, or or where I served, uh, St. Simon's Island, and let's say we gather a lot of folks, and we're going to base that and the distance uh, comparable to one's righteousness. And so if we said, okay, we want all the drug dealers, let's make it easy on us, okay? We want all the drug dealers, we want all the prostitutes, uh, the scandalous, we we want you to go ahead and begin to swim, and, that, and they get waste deep. And then, and then we say, okay, uh, the next deal we'll let's see how some others do. And so then we take the average person, hadn't committed a lot of crimes, I didn't really embezzle anybody out of money, didn't commit a murder, I mean, truthful most of the time. Well, they get up to about the neck, and they're, they're swimming, they're, do, they're, they're doing pretty good. Uh, but they barely have their head above water, and, and they don't get out there all that far. And, and so you've got one group waist high and another neck high and then you think, you know, let's, let's do some experimentation. What about if Mother Teresa, if she were still alive or Billy Graham even with Parkinson's, I, I believe he could head out a little bit farther and and he would be more righteous. I mean, I could even see John Horton out there. I mean, John's a good guy. He was hard on himself in the beginning of the service, but he's a good guy. And I could see John doing the backstroke. And he's making some distance. In fact, I I can barely see John in the righteous race. Well, the good news is that a lot of folks are way out there. But the bad news is the race is to Liverpool, (laughs) England—virtually impossible. Do you see? Do you see that chasm between? What we perceive as some of the most righteous people, some of those we may include as ourselves, still come up short compared to the glory of God. We needed someone to go the distance. We needed someone to do what it would take. And that would be Christ Jesus our Lord as he gave his life on the cross as he became our substitutionary atonement as he became the one that would bridge that gap and make us champions with him we can be declared victorious in the preposition in Christ and not in of our own works or our deeds or how we evaluate ourselves and so one of the things that i think is key is to acknowledge our role. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to say, you know what? I'm coming to grips with the fact that I need God's grace, that I need God's mercy. I like how one person defined grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve forgiveness, righteousness bestowed upon you, imparted to you. Eternal life. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. We deserve damnation. We deserve alienation from God. But the wonderful thing is that at the right time, at the right place, Christ who knew no sin took on our sin. And has allowed us to be Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, the scripture says, and you will be saved. And then there's a theological concept that I think is critical in the process in this pathway to forgiveness. And that is the idea of repentance. And that's a word that is a theological word, but I think it's an important one. And it simply means to redirect oneself, to turn, to go a different way. To walk away from that which is dehumanizing behavior, that which is destructive, self-destructive, and that walk in the will and the way of God. It's kind of like, um, you know, I don't care for those GPSs. I have one, and I need it. But you know, the way I look at it Laurie is it's just one more woman trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> And and so, uh, and I'll talk back to her. And and it's kind of nice because that's the only time I'm ever brave enough to talk back. And I'll talk back to her and I'll say, honey, thank you so much. But uh, I got this figured out. I I got this figured out. And she'll say, recalculate. At the nearest U-turn, turn around. And it's at that point I go into the settings and hit mute. But, uh, but that's what repentance is. It's simply a recognition of our need to move in a different direction. It, it means turning away from a self-destructive way of life that is affecting negatively those around us and moving toward, toward an abundant life. Christ said, I, I came that you might have abundant life. And so once we've identified our need for forgiveness, then it is important for us to change our behavior. And, and this is often forgotten. But in this narrative that we read, you'll remember, Jesus said, your condemners have bullied. I do not condemn you. And then what he say? Me. Cease the inappropriate behavior. Sin no more. You've been forgiven. You've been set free. You don't need that. You have a relationship with me. You are a child of God. That God-shaped void that is in you is now filled. And so you don't need to seek fulfillment in these inappropriate ways. Walk with me and turn away from that which is destroying and so, for me, to accept God's grace, a, a key, not a prerequisite but a key, is to understand my need for God's grace, my wrong, my mission of guilt, and to begin to turn in a different direction, to behave in a different way, out of obedience, not to earn the favor of God, but as one who desires to be Pleasing unto the Lord out of a spirit of gratitude it's kind of like when your child gets to that place where they they respond out of a desire to be pleasing not out of coercion and that's based in a long relationship and then in your place to take message notes you'll see a scripture That is very, very important uh, for us to hear today in asking the question, can I really be forgiven? Because in Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to read that with me. Say it out loud. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wonderful. A wonderful blessing that has been placed Upon us, because we like sheep have gone astray. And the scripture says we've all gone our own way. But Christ has called us home. And He desires, He desires for us to live in the the fruit of salvation, and that would be repentance and transformation and change in behavior. But the root of salvation is based in the accepting of God's grace. And that's where Paul affirms this when he says, I have good news for you. There's no condemnation anymore if you are in Christ Jesus. And some of you have entered this place. And some, as part of your story, have chains of the past that have held you back. Or maybe there are deceptive voices that say, You know, you'll never really measure up could God really love you? Or maybe you're wondering, could it be that I strayed from mercy's outstretched hand? Uh, Could it be that grace no longer can stoop to hear my cry? Well, I want to say to you that question. Is there anything too difficult for God? He can save A sinner like me. That is sufficient grace. And our doing, only in response to His grace, may be partially important. But what is significant is what has been done. My doing is a byproduct in terms of me living righteously doing is a byproduct of what has been done. And what has been done for me is that Christ became that substitution, that atonement, that satisfying sacrifice. All sufficient. Psalm 103 is a beautiful psalm and the psalmist writes he takes my transgressions. Get this, as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is east from west? Well, I like what one lyric from a song says. It's one scarred hand to the other. God has taken all of my transgressions and all of my sins and all of my mistakes, intentional or unintentional, And He has made me whiter than snow. But how can I know that? How can I live? Tim, you've told me it's important to acknowledge my wrong. I've done that. You've said turn and move a different direction. Step away from destructive behavior. I'm doing that. And I've invited Christ into my life. I, I, I believe what He has done is true. But... How do I continue to live in that assurance? And in fact, there are times where I question my own salvation. And what I will say is this. God can be trusted. And as John Wesley talked about, God's spirit will witness to our spirit. There may be times where we don't necessarily feel forgiven, but it's important for us to stand in that. It's not based on feeling. It's based on fact. And it's based in the faith that we step forward, trusting in Christ because He can be trusted. And John Wesley, in a moment in a chapel on Aldersgate Street, he was listening to the commentary, the introduction on the Book of Romans written by Martin Luther. I have read that; that is dry as dust. <laughs> but it was it was being read out loud, and as it was being read out loud, he writes these words. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation. An assurance was given to me that Christ had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I really believe that heartwarming today becomes a because one of the things he preached was that we can trust in the assurance that Christ we can be assured that Christ has redeemed everything in our lives and we can be forgiven Corrie Tin Boom many of you remember that name was held in concentration camps in uh, Germany uh, writes this, God takes our sin the past dumps them into the sea, and puts up a sign that says, no fishing. But Christians run around fishing all the time. Sometimes it is difficult for us to forgive ourselves. And I think we make a mockery of what God has done when we fail to forgive ourselves. a nun who walked very closely with the Lord was confessing to her bishops some different things. And, and she said, Bishop, I need you to know. I need you to hear me. I feel like the Lord Jesus has revealed himself uh, in the very person of who he is to me. And he knew of her closeness to God. And, and so he said, well, I tell you what. Let's test the water. What is it that That the archbishop has done that has been wrong because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what is it, uh, what sin has the archbishop committed? Go back and when Jesus reveals himself in person, ask that question. She came back. So he posed the question again. When did you spend time with the Lord? Yes. And did you go back and ask what sin the archbishop had committed? And she said, yes. Well, what did Jesus say? What did he say when it came to the sins of the archbishop? She said, Jesus forgot them. You see, the wonderful thing for us is what he forgives. to remember for others what they've done to us. And sometimes we wallow, good Southern word, in our own self-pity because of some of the things we've done and yet God has forgotten It's a holy amnesia <laughs> on the Lord God. And so he came to the altar and he knelt about right here and he looked up and he said, how can I know that I've really been forgiven? And the answer I think we can say today is: we have the assurance that God can be trusted to remove all of our sin, and we can be free in Him. I want you to walk in that kind of liberty. I want you to walk in that kind of freedom, and that's a challenge for me today as well that I might celebrate that I've been made clean and the verdict is not guilty. So I want to invite you as we sing our final hymn. It may be that you want to come and you want to pray and you just simply want to give thanks to God for the redeeming work, for the remission of your sin. And you want to say, Lord, thank you for rescuing me. It may be that you want to come and just say, Lord, you know me, you know my heart better than I know my own heart and I ask you to forgive me and I give my life to you. Let's we'll stand together and see.